Hello, everybody. Welcome to Attitudes with Andy. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very, very grateful for you all investing your time and energy to learn something new. Um, Today is a very special episode, very close to my heart, because we are talking about having a healthy relationship with food. So in today's podcast episode, we have the pleasure of chatting with Lisa, who is a registered dietitian and owner of her own practice called Wonder and Nourish. Lisa is a passionate advocate for helping people find peace with food, eating and their bodies um, with specializations in intuitive eating, counseling, digestive health and binge eating disorder. Lisa has helped countless individuals transform their relationship with food and their bodies. Her caring personality and desire to help people improve their lives through uh, lives shines through in everything she does. Her approach to nutrition is grounded in a deep understanding of how emotional and psychological factors impact our relationship with food. Lisa believes that everyone deserves to have a healthy and positive relationship with food and that it's never too late to make positive changes in our lives. In 2020, and we will discuss this a little bit more, but in 2020, Lisa helped change my relationship with food and for that, I'll be forever grateful. Thank you for that. Um, It's a huge reason why I wanted to get her on because I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with this. Today, we are so excited to have her on the show to share her insights and expertise with our listeners. In this episode, we'll be diving into the topic of having a healthy relationship with food, preventing binge eating, and Lisa will provide us with practical tips and insights that we can all use to improve our relationship with our food and body. So let's get started. I'm very excited to, with your wealth of knowledge, welcome Lisa to the podcast. Thank you so much. What a gorgeous introduction. That was so lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to talk more with you. I know it's certainly something we could spend more than an hour talking about, um, but I'm really hopeful that today we'll offer up some really supportive um, information and kind of places to go or things to consider for, for those that are listening. Definitely. This is one that I've just been so keen for and this morning as I showed you I put a like a question box up on my Instagram because I was like oh like I've got lots of questions for you but I'll just check if people want to ask questions and boy do people want to ask questions like I got so many and it just made me be like wow like there are so many people who will benefit from this and I just want to preface and I'm sure you can agree on this that like you are not alone if you're listening to this and you're struggling like you're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just like we can take steps towards like bettering it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For those that are listening and maybe tuned in because something is really not feeling okay between you and your body or between you and your your food and your eating, absolutely not alone, um, even though it can sometimes feel that way. Um, And these experiences can carry a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of really tender, raw feelings and emotions. And that can make it really hard to reach out to share, start having conversations. Or there might not be people in your life or your world who you feel comfortable sharing with. Um, So hopefully today um, at the end when we wrap up, you know, we have some places for you to, to go if that's you. Yes, I love that. Wow, I felt all of that. So I kind of wanted to start the podcast and we did discuss this when we had like our pre like chat on what we were, I think you mentioned that something that like, oh, it could be helpful, not like people knowing kind of where you were at. Um, mm. And it's like at first I was like, what? No, 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 this isn't about me. Like this is about other people. But then I realized that maybe opening up a little bit might help people like 
just, yeah, understand that you're not crazy and you're not alone. Um, but in 2020, and this is not like the whole episode, this is just like some pre-context that I can, I'm asking questions from like a place of like mild knowing. Um, but in 2020 was definitely like the worst relationship I'd ever had with my food. Um, for some reason, I decided that I wanted to lose fat and uh, I took it to Google <laughs> and Google was like, hey, mm. you know, count calories. That's a great way. So I was like, perfect. I'll count calories. So I started counting calories and like I have like I'm kind of like marble or nothing person. And so my brain was like, I'm gonna count every single calorie ever. Mm. And then like if you went like a little bit over, then like I would binge because I felt shameful. And then I would be like, Oh my god, I binged. I need to like restrict even more. And it was just like a really bad cycle, especially during COVID when everything kind of was shut down. So it was like you're really just like in that. And then COVID kind of eased up a bit and then we went back to college and things were still a bit cooked with my relationship with food. And at the time I did not tell anyone because I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and then at college I was a wellness person and I was like, I heard about you from maybe one of my friends. And then I was like, cool, yeah, workshop on food. I was like, oh, the, the people at college would really benefit from this when really I'm like, I would benefit from this anyway and you came and did a workshop and it was bloody like almost life-changing it was it was beautiful and I remember and I told you this before I'm just repeating but I remember you said like write down something that you've said about your body recently and then we wrote it down and then I think that at the end you were like okay now I want you to reread that as if like somebody you love is is saying that about their body and I was like oh yeah, that's, that's not great. I was like, something you need to change. Um, and then, you know, you were saying how, like, if you're craving a piece of pizza, you're allowed to have that. It's not like an all or nothing or clean eating or whatever that is. Anyway, so that's like a random spiel of where I was at. And now I feel like I can share that just so, like, fine because now I'm, like, really good at, like, listening to my body um, and just following the craving. Enough about me. But mm. I just wanted to kind of start there and say, like, is – what I was experiencing, like what causes somebody to be like, oh, I need to lose some weight because I think a lot of people, when I did finally open up about my struggles, they were like, oh my God, me too. I've struggled with counting calories or obsessive eating or trying to restrict and then binge and strict, and binge, you know? Mm. So like, where do you think this kind of stems from? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate and respect and want to acknowledge the vulnerability that is sharing you know your your personal experiences and your personal journey knowing our relationship with food and eating in our body is um it's it's not static it's dynamic so it's always changing throughout our lifetime and we're always learning and unlearning and deepening and you know stretching ourselves um and it can be really powerful for people to hear other lived experiences and I think really powerful and important for people to hear um a variety of of different people's lived experiences. So people in all different size and shaped bodies, different intersecting identities, different ethnicities, different, um, just different backgrounds and ways of being in the world, that there's so many things that impact and influence our relationship with food, eating in our body. And whatever is showing up for anyone who is listening, just to know that it's not your shortcoming or your fault, whatever's going on for you. There are a lot more things at play in terms of cultural and social dynamics and systems of oppression that exist that we're all, you know, kind of swimming in this 
pool or this bath water, so to speak, right? Um, and there can be so much blame and shame placed on an individual for their individual experiences. And I think that is actually really harmful and really gets in the way of people being able to reach out for care and support or have conversations. Um, and, and, and in that they feel isolated. Right? Mm, yeah. And then you feel more shame because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm, am I the only one who's struggling here? What is wrong with me? Why mm. can't I get this together? Why can't I figure this out? Yeah. Yeah. Or you think like, oh, there's starving kids in Africa and I have like an issue with like overeating or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. Yeah. Or we compare our struggles with somebody else. Yeah. Um, And I definitely think the way that people exist in the world does impact what they experience. And I think we need to honor and respect that. Like that is a different lived experience. There are different challenges. And we think about layers or degrees of privilege that people might have access to based on how they are in the world or, um, you know, their family of origins and, and other things that are part of their experience. Um, but back to your, your main question, I know it's a little aside, but um, just for those out there, you know, sometimes a first, a first place to start is listening, is trying to seek out places where you can hear other people's lived experiences and know and feel less alone. Because mm. from that place when we feel a sense of community and humanity and shared humanity, we're maybe in a better place to be able to reach out for help, knowing mm. that it does exist, it is there, and other people have found ways and support tools to heal. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But back to your question. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can you repeat it for me, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just curious, like, because yes. I think a lot... I don't know about guys because I haven't really spoken to guys about it, mm. but like a lot of girls I speak to, almost every single one of my girlfriends have had at one point yeah. in their life a bad relationship with food. And I'm just wondering where this stems from. Yeah. And it is definitely there for those who identify as male. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. can imagine. Mm. I just, yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 Mm. You know, the conversations you've had, right? Um, who, who you've been talking with and who's in your community and your world, right? Um, it is unfortunately something that is accepted as common um, and okay, especially for people who identify as, as female or as a woman or in living in this world in that way to body shame ourselves or for other people to do that, that there's so much pressure around looking a certain way, being a certain way. Um, and a lot of that is around body size and shape and what beliefs we are handed um, growing up from our family of origins, the communities that we dwell in, and bigger systems uh, that are at play. Uh, we think about the term you know, diet culture and these influences and pressures around a hierarchy. And that maps in different ways in our, in our culture and society. But when we think about bodies and the pressures that exist and expectations, that are put on people, we absorb that really early, really young. Mm. And it's it's as if we slowly kind of collect these beliefs or we are informed by experiences that we might have, things we observe happening to people um, or things that we experience ourselves, And that begins to inform what we believe about our bodies or about bodies in general, how we feel like we should look or shouldn't look. And we begin to pick up things like good and bad, that there's a Mm. good and bad way to have a body or be in a body or we're with food, right? 
um, right or wrong, good or bad, or even unfortunately, um, healthy or unhealthy can be a proxy as well for the same kind of black and white dynamic or thinking. Mm. Um, and, and so as you share that experience, it, it's so sad that we spend so much of our time, of our life fixated on either trying to look or be a certain size and shape or appearance or meet a certain aesthetic um, or anxiously trying to avoid where we are changing, even though what we can say for certain is that bodies are meant to change over our lifetime. They are, mm. um, especially if we identify as female and we're in a, in a female body and we're going to go through puberty and we may have an experience of trying to get pregnant or being pregnant and childbirth and um, we, we're going to go through menopause, you know? These are all normal, natural times that a body's meant to change. And yet, culturally, we have so much pressure to not change mm. and so much pressure that it's on ourselves and our own, like, being and says something about our character or who we are, if that does or doesn't happen, including aging too. Mm. That's another like pretty big pressure. Like how, oh, better not, you know, better not develop wrinkles as you get older. Let's do everything in our power to like stop that. Yeah. This belief that somehow that's bad or not okay or um, the wisdom that shows up on someone's face in that way isn't a value culturally. It's, yeah, it's a lot to unpack for people, but everyone's had different experiences and it's really important to honor what those are and be really gentle with them. But again, the reminder that you didn't, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose to dislike your body or, or parts about it or things about it. You weren't born believing that or thinking that or feeling that way. Mm, yeah, but just things along the way. Yeah, I really love that. So what does it look like to have a healthy relationship with food? I'm not sure if that's the right wording <laughs> sure. for it, but... Yeah, yeah, the term, there's a lot to unpack, I think, in the term health. Yeah. By and large. When I talk with clients about that, I like to let them explore what that might mean for them mm. and their relationship with food and eating rather than to define it for them. Yeah, okay. There are some things that I get curious about with them to feel out. Yeah. Um, how do things feel with you and food and eating and knowing that food and eating isn't just about nutritional content of food, but there's a lot more that's a part of that experience and a part of feeding ourselves or nourishing ourselves. And some of the things I'm curious about to, to just feel out what's mm. where someone's relationship with food and eating might be would be to ask, you know, I wonder on a given day, what percentage of your day do you feel like your thoughts and your focus or time is spent thinking about food? Oh, that's a great question. Because then if it's a, if it's a lot, because 2020 me, that would have been a lot, like so much time and energy. Mm. Now it's just when I'm hungry, in case Patricia comes out, which she's my hangry alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got one. We all we all end up <laughs> hangry at times. I know. Yeah. I, li I literally communicate that with people. I'm like, I'm so sorry you're not dealing with it. <laughs> Patricia is in the building. I haven't. I have a need, and i I need to I need to satisfy and fulfill I it as best eat. as I can. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. So I will often ask that question and just let people feel out where they are. And sometimes people are really surprised because they won't have thought about it before. 
And if you're listening to this and you're asking yourself that question right now, whether it's food eating and or your body um, or movement, right, you might think about what part of my day actually does that take up. If you're thinking it's at least half or more, that's information that I, I would want to explore more. Mm. With you, if you if you were sitting down with me, and I have a lot of a lot more questions to be really curious about because that's quite a lot. Um, when I'm thinking about food and eating, it it's definitely one part of our lives, but it's one part. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Could we do like a little? <laughs> trying to use a different word other than the role play, but like <laughs> you can do like a pie chart almost. We can do a pie chart. Um, sometimes people find it helpful, especially if you're a visual-oriented visual. processor or learner. Mm-hmm. You might sit down and actually make a pie chart and consider what are all the different parts of your your world, like what takes up your time and energy um, and focus and attention, mm. and how much of that is food and eating or exercise or focusing on your body specifically. Mm. Because if there's only so much room there for all these things that you might really value, we think about what your values might be, you know, what, what really is fulfilling and life bringing to you? Um, what matters most to you about being in the world and, and your life? Well, if that piece is taking up like a really big wedge, it's making less space for other things. Yeah, that make you you or that make yeah. life really meaningful and valuable to you. I really like that pie chart. Okay, so mm. so you say that you get your clients to define kind of what they think a healthy relationship with food looks like, and then you pick things apart. Can mm. we can we, we do that now? That yeah, yeah, we might explore that together. Yeah, um, the other things I'm, I'm I'm thinking about and considering. Yeah, um, would be. Do you feel like you can be flexible with your food and eating? Mm, great question. Do you feel like you? are comfortable and have a variety of foods around. And this, of course, is in the context of considering someone who does have access to food on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the context as well of considering someone might have a genuine medical condition or a food um, a food allergy, you consider someone living with celiac disease. Um, when we, Guilty. <laughs> well, when we think about that variety of food, mm. um, are we limiting or restricting certain types of foods or whole food groups? Mm, love that. 2020 me would have answered, oh, yeah, limiting a lot, not mm. flexible, and wouldn't have wanted to, like, go out for meals unless it was a, to a place I knew had, quote-unquote, healthy food. Mm, foods that you felt were. Whereas now I'm like, what lot. am I craving? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're leaning into trusting and partnering with your body and the wisdom that it it has yeah she knows what she wants yeah yeah. and it takes time to come back to that connection too Mm. and that looks different for different people I know Mm. Um, we can talk more about that if that's helpful today but um, just to let people know like there is there's a variety of ways that that can look based Mm. on different things that might be going on for somebody including things like medications or different health conditions or someone has a a trauma history or someone who is um, neurodivergent right this this is all important to consider and how someone experiences food and their relationship with it other things I might be listening for is to see what kind of emotions come up around food and eating or thinking about certain foods and when I'm being curious about that, a question I might ask is, mm. if you were to describe your relationship with food and eating right now 
in one or two words, what might that be? Ooh, this is hot. I'm actually mildly hungry right now. Um, <laughs> don't worry, Patricia's not going to come out. We can pause for a snack. Yeah, we I definitely brought, brought snacks. snacks. <laughs> we both were prepared. <laughs> snacks are life. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> should I answer 2020 or present me? Both if you're if you're comfortable sharing. Okay, 2020 probably would have been like um, maybe like anxious or fearful or just like really just negative emotions and just like would be scared when I got hungry, mm. which sounds weird or well, not weird actually. Not weird, not um, alone. There'll no. be people listening who identify with that. Yeah, I would be like scared yeah. to be hungry because I would be scared that I was going to like binge or something yeah. and it just felt out of control. That's a – yeah, I probably felt out of control. Out of control. Yeah. Um, now – First one that came to my mind was epic. <laughs> epic and loving because I'll just be like, yeah, what what do I need? Um, and empowering, actually. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> um, some words that my clients uh, often share in response to that question, if it's helpful for mm-hmm. listeners who for are sure. trying to search for something for themselves um, or maybe more than one word, right? <laughs> We're yeah. flexible here. We're always trying to encourage that. Um, would be words maybe like shameful or chaotic, mm. hectic, out of control. Some people might actually name it as unhealthy. And then we explore what about, you know, just describe to me what that means, feels like, looks like to you in, in naming that for yourself that you feel like, ooh, <laughs> things really don't feel okay. Yeah. I wonder what not what doesn't feel okay right now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like shame probably hits hard with a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a really um really deep and can be a really heavy, really challenging one to to be with and to name. Mm. And to share too. Um my clients are incredibly brave individuals um to be willing to share that with somebody else the work that that I do is such an honor and such a privilege to witness people's experiences and hear their stories and be with them to support them in figuring out what they want to do next yeah and how they might want to go about that what choices they want to make or not make well it's incredibly awesome that they're reaching out for the help yeah I think that's such a great step. Um, okay, mm. I have more questions. Yes. <laughs> no, we've got probably more than we can get through together today, but that's that's all right. Yes. Okay, so how can people differentiate <laughs> differentiate <laughs> between hunger and um, emotional eating? Yeah, good question. Because yeah. emotional eating was really like something that I, I didn't realize, but I had been struggling for a long time and I'd realize that if I was like stressed or like nervous or sad or bored I would let go for food Mm. and now it's like Andy how are you feeling like right now what Mm. do you actually need it's like oh I actually need a hug not a Mm. you know a snack yeah or maybe both oh yeah (laughs) if if Patricia's out (laughs) could be be both yeah yeah um emotional eating is actually a normal part of being human and being with food and eating. 
Ooh. I want to really normalize that for people who are listening and who are judging themselves um, or perhaps have been shamed or judged by others or things they've read or things they've seen um, that that is actually normal. It's so normal and human to reach for something that feels comforting or soothing in a moment where we might not be able to access something else to help us or we might not have been supported to develop tools or skills to reach for something else. It's actually a really clever way um, to cope with something that might be feeling like too much or we might be feeling like we don't have enough to navigate it. And in other contexts, normal as well. Um, if it's someone we think about, I, don't, I guess a traditional would be someone maybe going through a breakup and this is such a like 90s rom-com <laughs> scenario, I'm realizing. So You're going to say chocolates? I'm going to say ice cream. And then <laughs> Which there's nothing pathological or wrong about that. In mm. that moment, you're noticing and taking note of feeling in distress of what feelings might be around if you're able to access and do that, like in this example, and then making a choice for how you're trying to take care of yourself in that and likely staying really present and conscious with that experience. And that's not likely the regular experience someone might be having but there's varying degrees when we think about eating for emotional reasons we might also eat for joy or celebration right mm. there's so many reasons why we eat um and some differences between i guess perhaps emotional eating binge eating and binge eating disorder itself that there are different experiences people might have in relationship to eating in response to emotions or feelings. So definitely can be a very normal part of like a flexible, nourishing relationship with food and eating and permission to, to have that show up sometimes because it, it does and it's going to. There's nothing wrong with that. And if it feels like food and eating is really regularly only thing you have to go to well that often doesn't feel super great mm. if that's the only tool or strategy someone has again like clever you for figuring out with what you might have accessible and available to you how to get through something mm. that, that you might not otherwise have other options to do so and if it's kind of disrupting someone's quality of life or their distress around it is really high, or there are these really big, intense emotions, then we want to explore that more. So if you feel comfortable answering this, mm. do you also sometimes feel like emotional eating? Personally? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because okay. I'm human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, it's really normal. It's really normal. Okay. Yeah, it's really normal. What we get curious about is, does that feel distressing to you? Does it bring up really difficult feelings or emotions? Does it feel like it's the only, the only tool that you have to navigate with? Mm. And if that's the case, then gosh, some more support might be really helpful to understand that experience because that must be really hard and feel really distressing and feel really lonely and difficult and doesn't need to be that way. Okay, so everyone does experience it, but we can learn tools and strategies to kind of have other coping mechanisms other than just food. Yeah, but it's definitely a valid option. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In what context? Yeah. Again, if somebody doesn't have other options to go to. And, yeah. And food is there. Food is available. It's totally an option. Oh. We don't ever try to, like, throw it off the table and it's not it's not an allowable option. It's an option. We just figure out, okay, well, what other options might there be? Mm. And how do we begin to create a little bit of space um, often likely with the support of a of maybe a therapist or a counselor as well to find other tools, to find other options. So you've got like a bit of a spread to choose from in that moment and a lot of self-compassion for that experience too. Mm, okay. So going back to the question, this was super helpful and very interesting actually. Um hmm. Emotional eating versus... Versus, like, actually feeling... Physical hunger. hunger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, like, even, you know, bored eating versus actually feeling hungry and stuff, you know. And, yeah. like, I still catch myself out, you know. Like, if I'm working from home, I'll go to the fridge and I'm like... You and need you something to do. <laughs> yeah. Are you bored or are you hungry? And yeah. I'll be like, okay, I'm actually bored. I'm actually bored. Yeah. yeah. But then sometimes I'll be like, no, no, no I'm actually hungry. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. Fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is building some skills and tools around checking in. Mm, we try okay. to be our most curious selves to check in. Yeah, how am I feeling? What is going on for me? Can I access that information? Does that feel safe enough to do? And then what do I want to do with that? Like, what do I want to do next? When we think about connecting with body signals and cues, this concept of interoceptive awareness, which is like what's going on in my internal world. <laughs> how is my body communicating with me? How much contact do I have with with that information and how can I start to use what might be accessible and available there to partner with my body when I do check in to consider okay what might be biological like physiological hunger needs my body has and is making requests to me about and what might be maybe other types of hungers do I have other needs that are here knowing we might opt to choose food in the context of having maybe an emotional need. Mm. Um, and it, it might help in the moment. It might help for a little while. It might feel somewhat useful in the short term. And yet, if that need actually isn't something that can be met with food, it's still going to be there. And we're still going to have that need and that sense of hunger. Mm. So say like somebody's feeling lonely yeah. and they go for food. And then they just keep repeating that. Obviously, food's not really going to fill the loneliness. So if they were like, oh, wait, what am I actually feeling? Mm. Could be loneliness. And yeah. then they try to connect more. And what does loneliness need? Connection. Yeah, what might loneliness need? And am I in a place, in a position where I can try to access some things that would help me mm. tend to that mm -hmm. need and take care of it? Mm. Um, and sometimes we are and sometimes we aren't. Sometimes we're giving ourselves permission to just notice what's there and say, I am at work in the middle of whatever and I actually cannot um, access like petting my soft, soft dog or cat because that would be really soothing and comforting right now. I mm -hmm. can't do that. So maybe I can and at least begin to try to just acknowledge what's going on for me and as best as I'm able to tend to it, knowing it's there, I, I will do my best to do that when I can. Yeah. This sounds like um, 
like the process that you go through and correct me if I'm wrong but it Mm. sounds like having a lot of like love and compassion for yourself and just Mm. being like okay what do I need instead of being like oh you're so silly like oh you're hungry again or you know yeah um is that something that you work on with your clients like having a level of self-love yeah yeah um we talk a lot about self-compassion so I'll mention Dr. Kristen Neff is one of the researchers around um, exploring self-compassion and how that can help us. And in particular, what we've seen about how it can help with body image and how we navigate difficult experiences that we might be having and ways we might lean into practicing that. It's not necessarily easy to practice or access, especially if we're used to berating ourselves Mm. or being quite unkind. I mean, the things we say inside our own internal world would be things that a lot of people would never say to another person out loud, right? Yep, yep. And you've had that experience. Definitely. Um, But that is a way that we can begin to be with ourselves differently and our experiences differently. It doesn't necessarily change what's going on, um, but it allows us to be with it differently and move through it differently. Mm. So it's it's a practice and it's a different, like, set of skills and tools to, to try out and try on especially in that moment where we might have previously been opting to listen to a really harsh or negative internal narrative that's quite maybe judgmental or unkind, we might try to instead orient to this different um, part of ourselves that might be really kind um, and might be, might be really thoughtful and generous and, and nurturing instead. Mm, love that. I, I just thought of that question because I realized that is actually something that really did help Um, my relationship with food and getting better and then like you know if I was like you know doing really well for a bit and then I would maybe just have a moment of like binging or emotional eating instead of being like oh my god you've messed up and I'd be like okay it's all right that happened like this is just a journey it might pop up at times and we're just going to keep going and then that has like just really really helped because yeah it's just having that like love and being like it's okay yeah and in that trying to orient to our most curious selves. Mm. We're trying to be really curious about exploring what might be going on for us and what experiences we're having, what needs we might have that aren't maybe met. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of room for us to be judgmental. That makes sense. Like if you're really thinking about being really curious or like the last time you were really curious about something, um, like at a museum, seeing something new for the first time, it's, it's taking up all this space and orienting you to a way of observing and thinking Mm. that kind of sets judgment to the side. Because if we're judging something, even our own experiences or our actions, we're not curious in that moment. And then we don't get to learn or understand ourselves better and then how we might, you know, try to take care of ourselves or um, understand what's, what's actually going on. And again, people might need a, a space and support to, to do that with the help of somebody else. Yeah, that's great. So instead of being like, oh, you messed up, it's like, okay, what what happened? Like what what yeah. did we what were we maybe craving or what were we feeling? Yeah, that's great. And this is part of too also that learning a skill set and developing a skill set to check in with like you're asking about, what about body hunger? Like what's the difference here? You start to understand your own landscape more. Mm. And then you have useful information, you know, knowing 
cravings are useful information. Society, cultural-wise, it's all this messaging about, oh, it's terrible if you have cravings and we need to get rid of cravings. And it's like, what if we were to orient to being our most curious selves and say, huh, hello, I wonder what this is here for. I wonder what this is about. Can I, can I allow this to be here and just be curious and, and see what's here to learn? Mm. I have this belief, and this is backed by zero science, <laughs> or I haven't researched it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought I'd put it out there to so your opinion. But, like, I have this belief that when you're craving something, it's because your body is so freaking smart that it's like, hey, I really need this right now. Unless you're, like, addicted. I don't know. Like, I don't know. But anyway, I yeah, always other, think... Other conversation. Other, other conversation. Yeah. But I'm just, like, I feel like I'm craving a certain food because that's what my body needs. Like, if I'm craving, like you know, toast or pasta or something carby. It's like, cool, well, I clearly just need a bit more energy or if I'm craving, mm. like, fatty foods, it's like, okay, I need some more, like, good fats and stuff. Um, sorry, not good or bad, but you, do you know what I mean? Like, more nutritious fats, fats avocado yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that just worked well for me. I'm like, my body knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, Is that true? Having Well, <laughs> having permission to let all foods be around mm. I say that knowing people might <gasps> let that can feel really terrifying yeah um and that is something that people might work towards thoughtfully and gradually to that place but if we can work towards a place where all foods can just be around and allowed to be enjoyed for the different like the different value or, or different things that they have to offer us, then it lets us operate from a much more peaceful place where we really can consider, you know, what, what do I truly need? Um, what might I want? And are there other things that I want to use to inform what I choose to do based on experiences I've had in my, in my body, with my body in the past of how things have felt or not felt so good? Or if I, if I have a health condition or something, that's a part of my lived experience that I, I want to be mindful of and how I'm taking care of myself um, and to, to marry these pieces together to support us. Mm. So we're both honoring our preferences in that moment, our needs in that moment, and also layering on this other piece of, oh, okay, and considering mm, do I have health condition or, or food allergy or something that I also need to weave in here okay so that probably feels terrifying for some people listening to that hearing like mm. oh my god imagine having like all the foods I could possibly want or usually like to eat yeah in the kitchen yeah. on tap for someone like for 2020 me that sounds terrifying yeah I'm like oh my god no <laughs> yeah no is that the case for every single person do you believe could benefit from that mm, finding their way to what feels most peaceful for them okay yeah. mm, the only reason I ask is because yeah. we've, we've talked about this before but um I think I think this probably maybe changed a little bit but my one weakness is chips so random like packet chips um mm. and like I just would prefer to have none than try and have 
a little bit and then eat it all and then mm. do you know what I mean and feel out of control and so that's like the one thing that I'm like yeah I don't really go about but having said that now I've realized like when I go to parties I pre-eat I have dinner because I'm like I like to go full so that when there's like little nibblies I can just enjoy them for their taste and not be like trying to devour them because I'm so hungry um and what I have noticed is that if there are some chips there I actually have been able to just like have a few purely from the favor and not feel like I need to devour them all so that's kind of like Mm. where I meet myself in the middle it's like I'm gonna pre-eat and be full and then anything else is just like taste pleasure pleasure but like yeah the idea of like having packeted chips when Patricia's around Mm. you know will she devour it well yeah because she wants probably a meal not a snack Mm. and if if you're trying to approach chips and you're meal hungry yeah, you're absolutely going to probably eat the whole thing mm. because what what you might need most in that moment is actually a meal amount of food rather than a snack. Mm-hmm. So that experience is, yeah, often, right, if we're, if we're judging ourselves in that experience, then it feels really, feels really bad. It feels really yucky or confusing. Um, and one of the biggest things I talk with people about first is can we explore what regular adequate eating might look like for you Mm. because if we're heading into an eating occasion um really really hungry (laughs) yeah absolutely in our body's wisdom we are going to eat and we're probably going to eat really quickly and we're probably going to eat a lot of food yeah um and to stay curious about that that's not necessarily good or bad but oh i wonder what's happened in the last 24 hours i wonder if we managed to eat regularly and consistently throughout the day today or yesterday. Um, I wonder if I managed to eat enough of what my body might have need needed during that time or not. I wonder what else is going on in my world. Was work really terrible and I had this really distressing conversation. I'm feeling really anxious about it. Mm. Or do I feel really uncomfortable at this party <laughs> because I don't know anybody and I don't know what to do. Um, different, mm. different layers, right? Yeah. And so if you don't have a handle on that, though, and then you have all your favorite, I don't know, Oreos and chocolate, then that could be quite scary. Yeah, yeah. To then have it in. So it would be Mm. like a process and a slow process, would it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes, and I think this is part of cultural expectations or maybe um, history of going on diets or dieting, but we have... Sometimes it's expectation of, well, if I do all the things, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will get uh, oh, A, B, and C. If I do A, B, and C, then I'll get X, Y, and Z. Kind of a rhetoric, like if I do the things, um, if I do the things well enough, right enough, long enough, then I will get this specific outcome in this time frame. Mm-hmm. And quickly, right? Especially if we're feeling distressed, we want to stop quickly we want a solution now Mm. Um, and a lot of what diet culture tends to to market or sell is yeah we'll fix all your problems just do x y and z and then everything will be good and then you know it's your fault if it didn't work out though like no disclaimers on the possible harm caused by by those you know pursuits but um thinking about this this scenario is that yeah it's as slow as somebody needs to go it might be really slow and that's okay we want to be thoughtful. We want to consider, wow, you know, how long have things been feeling this way? Mm. How, how, how long? How many years? So is it okay to cut out a food for a certain amount of period 
whilst you're getting a handle on everything and then introduce it back in? Often we're starting just with focusing on regularity, first and foremost. Like regulating your eating and so trying to, emotions? Trying to regularly feed ourselves throughout a day. Yeah, okay. So yeah. do you recommend like three meals a day and snacks? Depends on the person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but talking about rhythm with eating is one of the, the absolute first things that I'll check in with somebody around before we go anywhere necessarily near talking about specific foods. And sometimes that feels really calming and reassuring because people are, are often quite nervous or scared to talk about the food specifically. Mm. There's a lot, of, a lot of feelings or difficult experiences that are there. Yeah. Really understandable. Yeah. And everyone, everyone needs different things because everyone's had different experiences. Where everyone is, is different. Mm. So we want to honor that and, and weave that in. That's so, so, so important that care and support is really individualized for, for each person. Yeah, not just a one-size-fits-all. No, um, but foundationally, if restriction is around in some shape or form, it's probably contributing to, to things not feeling great with food. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have more questions. I just want to ask yeah. um, an off-topic one. Um, <laughs> labeling foods good or bad? Mm. I used to do this and my housemate gave me a good lecture um, about how like, because I would call, you know, more, like nutritionally dense foods good mm. and, you know, Other foods. sugary processed ones bad. Mm. And, you know, you hear people be like, oh, I was eating, I really want to eat really good or I've been really good this week. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. cringy because I used to do that. Um, <laughs> mm. But now I really try and just say like, you know, soul foods for maybe like the more processed stuff and then, you know, more nutritionally dense foods for those type of foods. Mm. Anyway, sorry, it seems like I'm trying to be so politically correct. I'm not, but like what I'm you're, saying. You're finding your way yeah, to, to, to language or relating to foods that that feels peaceful to you. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So there's not necessarily do things the right way or the wrong way but yeah. it's just being curious about oh okay well if i if i call these foods this i wonder how that makes me feel about them because mm, then you if you eat the quote-unquote bad foods it's like oh well, i did something bad because mm. when i call them soul foods it feels very wholesome <laughs> yeah and maybe they're nourishing to your soul yeah and that's 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 the value they have for you yeah right like eating a Apple versus eating, I know apple pie is not necessarily a thing in Australia, but apple pie, <laughs> I mean, it, surely it is, yeah, but no, not no, as, it is. yeah. Yep. Um, those are really different foods. Mm. And one isn't better than the other. They are just different. Mm. They are going to taste different. They're going to hit the spot differently. Um, they offer you different things. If we label things as good or bad, or even I would say unhealthy and healthy, yeah. unfortunately, is kind of a new iteration. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's got the same vibe, you know, the same feeling. I would uh, like emotionally. Yeah, as to labeling something good or bad, um, it's just like more socially acceptable. I think now to mm, move in that direction. Definitely. Um, if we're labeling things that way, then if we choose to eat this food versus this food, then we've placed morality on that food. Mm. And then says like uh, to ourselves, we're saying something to ourselves about who we are morally as a person. Are we a good person or are we a bad person? Mm. 
mm. by the food we eat, but it's an apple and it's an apple pie. They all break down and trust me in the gut to, to little tiny molecules and things that the body knows what to do with either which way. Yeah. Um, but how we label them definitely has an impact on how we perceive ourselves for making choices in that moment mm-hmm. rather than maybe being able to honor, you know, what I really feel like right now is apple pie. That like feels like that's really going to hit the spot. That's actually genuinely, you know, what I would like to have. And I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to sit here and be with it and enjoy the heck out of it for, you know, however much I want. Also honoring and knowing if I didn't manage to eat regularly or adequately today, I might be leveraging this pie to try to get some of my, you know, needs met energy wise versus maybe on another occasion, I might really feel like having the apple instead for different reasons, right? I might want something that's crispy and hydrating versus something that's like, warm and like soft and Mm, so Mm. not labeling foods healthy unhealthy or good or bad Mm -hmm. is that something that you quite promote at your practice yeah 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 yep yeah we'll explore yeah where did that come from Mm, where did it go where did it come from sorry (laughs) where did it come from no that's great where did it (laughs) where did it go out of here hopefully in the bin in the bin in the bin bin. straight in the bin and then we lit Uh. the bin on fire it's great (laughs) we put some other stuff in there too Um, but yeah because we we were taught that at some point yeah right when we taught we're talking earlier about things we picked up over our lifetime things we've been taught or told or observed or experienced it's like we have this collection that's informed what our relationship is like with food and eating Mm. Because if you look at a toddler, they do not feel either which way. If you put those foods down, they're going to eat which food they feel like in that moment. Mm. And however much they want to eat of that food in that moment. Yeah. But at some point, some point somewhere along the way, we were handed information. Bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. That was, a, that was a really good answer. Um holy schnitzels it's been 52 minutes i love us okay i will cherry pick some okay 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 maybe we'll do the listeners questions because i think they will Mm. answer some of the questions i have okay okay so first of all thank you everyone for sending in those questions for being really brave and vulnerable um i did put out an anonymous question thing i just thought that might be better so you know People might not want to know who yep, sent it. Not yeah. that we should feel any shame around it, but just you yeah, know, open yeah. open all opportunities. So thank you for sending in questions. Okay, the first question I have, and um, I posted this question. I said, can you relate? And like 70% of people said yes. Okay, so this question yeah. is, how to bake a banana loaf without eating the whole thing? And yes, I have done this in 2020. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's a good question, and as your, like, follow-up poll showed, sounds like a really common experience a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. I would be really interested to know if banana bread for this person is something that is an allowed food. I would be really curious to know if that's, like, a food that they commonly have around or that they have permission to have and enjoy when they want to. Mm. or if it's a 
special occasion food for them in terms of, well, it's only if I make it myself or I make it this certain way or it's only, I can only have it. You know, we think about like, are there parameters around this food? I can only have it X amount of times or it's only okay to have this much. Um, Because often if there's a food that has a degree or element of restriction to it, we're trying to avoid it entirely or we even have mental restriction where we're thinking to ourselves, well, it's okay, but it's only okay if X amount. Mm. Right. So like I'm allowed, I'm, I'm giving permission. I can have it. And yet still mentally I'm like judging or setting parameters around what's acceptable and what, like there's a line there. Right. If I have more than X then whoa, I have thoughts and feelings about that. Okay. So that would be the first thing I would be interested in. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. No, you continue. Oh, and the other thing I would be interested in is what we were talking about earlier in terms of did we get to eat regularly and adequately today? Or are we really, really hungry? And that fresh, really delicious food that's now ready and available, we're asking the banana bread to be a meal, maybe. Right. So maybe if you've had adequate meals and then you had a slice of banana loaf, it might like might be different hit experience. the spot more rather than like, oh my God, I can't stop eating. And it's like, well, did you have breakfast or lunch, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a really good one. Yeah. Were those meals sufficient and adequate enough too? Yeah. Like, was it enough food? Was it enough variety of foods that your body needed? Or are we sitting down with banana bread asking it to be a meal, which it will do its darndest. And so so will our hunger and our body and its request for how good that food's going to taste. When we're really hungry, food usually tastes extra good. Yeah. Right. And our body's wisdom, like, yeah. Yeah, we need more food right now. So yeah. like, great, you've got some, we're getting some, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I know that we know nothing about this person. Right. But if they did want to introduce it and just be able to have a slice, what mm. would be some recommendations? Yeah, if they're feeling nervous about this food, um, which they might be, right? If they're having feelings and they're having the experience of, you know, maybe when they have it, they, this is a typical way that things go for them. Um, I might, might be talking about, first of all, we check in, right? Regular adequate eating is our foundation starting place. Mm -hmm. Because if they're coming from a place where they are just genuinely hungry, it's going to, it's going to impact trying to perhaps explore slowing things down with that food. They might intentionally, integrate that food into their regular meals or snacks so it just begins to be around a little bit more mm. in, a, in a in a somewhat more kind of anticipated way a more expected way can feel sometimes a bit um, safer or more comfortable and again this is in sharing generally you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not knowing this person or what else is going on for them right so yeah. it may or may not be the right um, go for them and they might need support to figure yeah. out steps to have in place to do that. Yeah. But that might be one way of beginning to let that food just start to be around a bit more and to be just one other food that's a part of the whole food landscape. Um, potentially being supported in doing a mindful eating practice with that food might be helpful. Um, what that looks like is really slowing things down. Again, if that feels safe and okay to do, but really slowing things down to check in with, ah, how does this smell? 
what does that remind me of? What do I like about that? Really slowing down the eating process. Like what's the texture? What's the temperature here? Does this remind me of anything? Um, What do I find pleasant about this? Uh, Or is there anything I find unpleasant now that I'm slowing down and really being curious, right? Our curious self again, really being curious about what this is like to eat and be with it. Um, Or do I feel kind of neutral? Sometimes if we're able to slow things down, we notice things we didn't before, including, right, like you were offering up before, what was so helpful and empowering to you was, and how am I feeling and what do I need? Mm. How am I feeling and what do I need? And full permission to to have the banana bread and however much you might need to, to feel satisfied, but that there might be steps before that feels okay to play around with or to try out. Um, but slowing things down and checking in with senses and checking in with how that feels can be a way that we connect with that food more and might feel a bit bit calmer. Uh, there's other strategies and, and things as well, but again, it would be dependent on that individual or that person, yeah, what they what they want to try <laughs> or what they don't, yeah, um, and if there's other things that they might need to have. Uh, in place before feeling ready to try that yeah no that's so helpful and I'm just curious if yeah. people um say they've eaten a whole loaf and then they might be like scared to remake it because they're like oh my god what if I re-eat it so they're scared to introduce it back in as a regular thing yeah I'm just again drawing back on yeah. 2020 me if I first started doing that I could imagine that I would probably maybe eat the whole loaf and then maybe eat like three-fourths of the loaf and then maybe eat half the loaf. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then is that okay that you're like slowly just stepping it and realizing that this food is on tap and you can have it at any point? And as soon as like, as soon as I said to myself and I genuinely meant it, Andy, you can have however much you fo- food you want whenever you want. It's like mm. I give myself full permission. Mm-hmm. It like released all the temptations because there was nothing that I couldn't eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so would that be like a process and it would take a bit of time and yeah. it's okay if it's like yeah, not just one slice straight away? Yep, absolutely, yep. Okay. Um, and again, there might be other work yeah. that someone might um, might find value in doing before trying that. But when we think about having like that full permission with foods and maybe testing the water with, you know, often people might have a collection of foods that they feel maybe out of control with. Yeah. And they might describe it that way or feel like they can't be around or they're really nervous about having around um, that we would be thoughtful about that. Like you're not going to, you're not going to launch in and try to do that with the food you feel most uncomfortable around. Right. Mm. that that would not necessarily be a fair ask to practice with what it might feel like to have permission to have that food around genuine permission like you said there can be there can be a difference and there can be some things where maybe we've tried to do that before but there were more subtle elements maybe of restriction or things that were a part of that um that meant we we didn't fully have full permission like it wasn't totally okay there was still some little caveats around what when how much where what's in it did I make it or was it bought you know um, these different layers to consider and like you said it can feel so freeing to to work towards that place 
And yes, people often will eat more of that food for a while. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. If we think about somebody going into the desert with a water bottle and then they get lost and they're out there for a long time, they run out of water. Well, you bet, you bet when they find a water fountain next, they are just going to be really, really thoroughly enjoying access to water. Yeah. And they might consume an amount of water that feels like maybe a bit sloshy or maybe a bit uncomfortable to them. This is an, a normal response to something that maybe has been restricted mm. or not regularly, you know, genuinely really allowed or okay to be around. Love that. Oh, that was, I'm so glad that that person asked the a question. Good question. I hope that, that was really I hope that is, is helpful for whoever that question was, but also for the 70% Percent. of other people who might have some similar fears or concerns or experiences with food, knowing, first of all, yeah, you're not alone. You're yeah. not alone. Yeah. And it, it doesn't need to keep being that way between you and food or you and that food. But we want to be thoughtful. So you might not necessarily hop off listening to this and you know, go straight into like giving yourself full permission just with that food. Mm. There might be some other support things that you, you need in place before that could be um, an okay ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, what other things can me and my friend do together that doesn't involve food slash drinking? Oh, that's really interesting. I know. So I've got some options, but I'm just curious about that question. I am curious about that question. Yeah, because I'm like... I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Because I was just like, wait, but what's wrong with like going out for dinner or... I mean, fair enough, if you feel like all your social activities are around, like, drinking and you're just, like, not vibing with drinking, that's so fair. Yeah. Maybe ask your friends to go for a walk in the morning or go grab a coffee or something. Um, but, yeah, that w- I, f- I thought that question was interesting. Yeah, my – I guess I would share, like, my follow-up questions. I mm. would be super interested to know, you know, to, to know best what would be helpful to offer for yeah. this person. But what else might you do? I'm – I'm wondering if there is stuff going on for this person or maybe for their friend around food and eating that makes that difficult Mm. to share or do together. Um, Sometimes when people have things that aren't feeling okay in their relationship with food and eating, social eating can feel really hard Mm. or scary or they might want to avoid it. Yep. And that's just information that's letting us know, uh, okay, something, something might be here. Yeah. That might need tending to, um, or they just want to have more options for how to hang out and connect. Yeah. Right. And, f- and that's fun. Yeah. That's <laughs> totally great. Um, and I wonder if it's even like having a chat with that person to, to feel out, you know, are there new things we might want to try together? Yeah. Are there different hobbies that you have individually that you would want to share with the other person? You know, maybe you take turns saying, Hey, I'm planning what we're going to do together on Saturday. Would you be, you know, would you be open to us doing this thing that I'm really into? Do you want to come along and try it out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the question is genuinely because they're like, no, literally all we do is just go out to, you know, places to eat and it's getting boring. Yeah. I asked ChatGTP 
Oh, oh answers. Okay, answers. What, have you, what have you got? <laughs> um, so ChatGTP said you could go hiking. Um, they said that you can go to the cinemas, you can go to the movies. Sorry, you can go to the museum. Um, you can go to the beach. It's very Australian, actually. Um, yeah, lots of options. And then one of them said a cooking class. I was like, that's so cute. Yeah. Well, or some other kind of class or event. Yeah, yoga. It's yoga or art. Art, pottery making. Yeah, pottery, yeah. It's something like that. Um, so just ask chat GTP. GP. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Music. Yeah, they said concert. Yeah, there we go. All right. So next question is how to achieve health, brackets, weight loss, gut health, um, performance. I'm assuming that's maybe performance in the gym um, while keeping a good relationship with food. I thought this one was really interesting Mm. because what if somebody is um, maybe they've been told by their doctor that they do need to lose some weight for health reasons. but they don't want to have like an unhealthy relationship with food. How does one go about that? Yeah, that the scenario where you phrase that is not an uncommon one. Okay. For sure. And I think that is a bigger conversation to have about health. Yeah. And how we define it and what we do and don't know about the relationship between someone's body weight, size and shape and health. I think what we commonly miss out on is in that conversation, considering social determinants of health, which would be experiences that someone's had uh, based on the environment that they lived in. If they've had any experiences of trauma, what they have access to, you know, in terms of where, where they live or what city they find themselves in or what socioeconomic status they might have or what varying degrees of stigma or bias they might experience in their life because of how they identify or because of the body that they naturally inhabit, how they show up in the world physically. Mm. Um, so I think a much uh, deeper conversation, but if this reader w- or reader, if this listener wants to read and explore and learn more about that, they might find digging into um, a book or podcast, something like Anti-Diet, Um, by Christy Harrison, which is a book that explores some of these bigger, broader topics. And by all means, not not the only person or the originator of a lot of the frameworks and and conversations that have been being had for a long time about folks in um, marginalized bodies or having these experiences themselves, lived experiences that are really the leaders um, to be learning from. But is, is an accessible, maybe good option to to consider checking out or her podcast food psych which has a lot of episodes that speak to some of these really more complex um more zoomed out kind of conversations to have uh, in terms of of unpacking weight um weight biased weight stigma and weight and health yeah Um, because what we, we we can say is that it's not actually a determinant of someone's health, but also we need to think about who's defined health and how do we define it? What's included, what's left out, who's included, who's left out. Mm. And is this something that you help clients with? Yeah, we sit and talk about it. Yeah. Um, because I, I work from a, a weight neutral framework, which means when clients come to see me, I don't offer weight loss interventions. I don't try to change someone's body size or shape or weight, but we talk about what is of value to them, what experiences have they had, 
what might not be feeling so great or what are their concerns about what's going on and to support them around those things and making space for conversations that can feel really challenging about how we might feel about our body size and shape, Um, different narratives we've been handed about health, about weight, um, about body size, and to to sit in that. And from that, do your clients who wanted to lose weight but you're like we're not focusing on that let's focus Mm. on the the aspects you just said um do they then not accidentally but then do they often find that they actually do get the result that they were after but they went about it in the other way Mm, is there a a safe way to pursue weight loss yeah basically what i'm asking (laughs) is do they naturally find that they do lose weight what everyone's body does is different yeah, in the context okay. of them kind of pursuing a peaceful relationship with food, eating, and movement, healing their relationship with food, eating, and movement in their body, healing from diet culture. If someone's been dieting for a long time, multiple rounds, um, what somebody's body does in that context varies. And I actually can't say if somebody's body is going to stay similar to to where it is now if their body needs to gain weight or if their body ends up losing weight Mm. okay and do you believe that people can lose weight and have a healthy relationship with food depends on what their body needs to do in the context of them taking care of themselves okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's a whole other podcast it, episode. For sure, for yeah. sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. No, and you've like compiled um, resources, so that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I can definitely share some some other places people might go if that kind of piques their their interest. Yeah. Knowing also that can feel, for a lot of people, maybe, I don't know if confrontational is the right word, but it really challenges traditional paradigms and, and beliefs that we hold um, by and large in in culture and society about bodies, about weight, about health, as well as uh, in, in healthcare too. Mm. So if that brings up feelings, that would be normal and make sense. Um, it's often sitting in kind of this both and, this, this tension of how do I stop maybe struggling with my body and find peace and what things might be at odd with, with what I want. <laughs> And, and if it's possible to have them together. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, next question I have is, um, and we kind of have touched on this, but I'm struggling with knowing when I'm full. Sometimes I can just keep eating. And also sometimes I just eat because I know I have to and not mm. because I'm hungry. Any tips? Yeah. The second part um, for this person needing to, eat because they know they have to yeah um that can be a really normal strategy for self-care with food and eating even for intuitive eaters it's something that's referred to as practical hunger Uh, an example might be if you're heading into a really long meeting and you know that it's happening over a time period where you're likely to get hungry while before heading into that meeting you might sense for yourself um i don't I don't sense that I'm particularly hungry in this moment. Um, and yet I, I know if I don't have something to eat now, 
I might not be feeling super awesome halfway through that meeting, or I know I'm not going to have a next opportunity to, to feed myself and take care of myself with food un, until much later. So practically, you might opt to offer yourself some food before you head in. Mm, this is something I'm very passionate about. I was pre-planned. <laughs> I was thinking like, what have I got on? And mm. definitely before podcast episodes, I make sure that I am you won't. Yeah. 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 And these are experiences you've had in with your body that you've observed, right? Mm. What feels pleasant to me, unpleasant or neutral and what I've done in the past. And how do I use that to just inform experimenting in the future? Mm. Are you landing on, you know what? I feel like I show up a lot, a lot better for what I want to do and how I want to do that when I've chosen to opt to feed myself, even if I wasn't necessarily like meal hungry in that occasion. Yeah, because I think a lot of my friends will be like, oh, but I don't wake up hungry, so I won't have breakfast like before work or something. Yeah. Then they'll be really hungry and then they will like eat like a really big meal or something and then they'll be like maybe just feel a bit out of control. Mm. And so I'm curious whether maybe, yeah, just having that meal. I'm a very passionate breakfast gal. (laughs) (laughs) Breakfast is, I would say, challenging for 99% of clients I've ever worked with so really that's yeah. a huge amount a huge amount why is that oh, no you're not alone a lot of different reasons a lot of different reasons and I would say for my clients who have worked towards trying to experiment with having it around in ways that were thoughtful about setting up experiments and trying that out right because we I want people to to make choices for mm. themselves like mm. I don't get to tell you how to be with your food and eating but I want to be really curious with you about you know what what that feels like and have you tried this and what did you learn from that and did it did it feel pleasant unpleasant or neutral to you and for most people working to anchor and having something in the morning they share feels really pleasant to them overall like mm. the rest of their day kind of feels different they feel like they show up differently Mm. and that feels better to them yeah love that I will certainly notice in the evening if I if I had like a not as big breakfast as usual in the evening Mm. I'll like eat my dinner but just not feel like completely full and then when I realize I have a good you know filling breakfast sorry not good (laughs) but you know what I mean well for you that might be a neutral word yeah 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 um it's no one's also no one's quote-unquote good or bad yeah yeah for maybe using the word good we're just curious about like does that does that bring up feelings about who you are as a person right okay yeah. love that yeah. but yeah a nutritious breakfast then in the evening you know I'll have my dinner and be like okay I'm good yeah yeah and yeah. and otherwise you might arrive in the afternoon like feeling meal hungry at, at a snack occasion or mm. arrive in at the evening feeling maybe frantically hungry or urgently hungry Ugh, I hate that feeling Ugh. it happens it does it, it does happens. yeah Sometimes you can't avoid it <laughs> yeah yeah because we're human it happens yeah um, the other part of this person's question what was the first part yeah so I'm struggling with knowing when I'm full sometimes I can just keep eating also sometimes I just eat because I have to and not because I'm hungry any tips yeah fullness yeah, fullness can can for some people feel scary, I would say, mm. um, and can feel confusing. <laughs> um, I would be curious with this person about wondering 
maybe you are still hungry. Mm. I'd be wondering, I wonder what regularity and like rhythm of eating throughout throughout the day and how much food is there, um, types of foods. I wonder what that looks like. Mm. Yeah, these are good questions. Yeah, because that's interesting information Yeah, because from, from the body. Yeah, because if they're not eating maybe enough portions for their body, then mm. when they do go to eat. Yeah, or are are all foods allowed and, and present? Yeah. That variety piece too. Do we have a variety of different types of foods and food groups at eating occasions mm. that help us feel satisfied? Yeah. You know when you're craving something and then you don't eat it, you eat something else personally? Yeah. I'm like, just hasn't hit the spot, has it? <laughs> no, and you will likely keep eating things. Yes. In an attempt to satiate and satisfy, but nothing will do that. Yes. I think <laughs> I think oh about it yes. in the terms of um what's a good example? Um oh, anything. I don't know why I'm thinking about apples. I personally love apples, so maybe that's why oh, I just really like But if we're asking a apple to be a donut no amount of apple will a donut it make like if what you really feel like what would really hit the spot is a donut and you eat apple and kind of not allow the donut for you know whatever reasons that might be Mm. and you're probably not going to be satisfied it's not going to hit the spot yeah and you might search for crackers or yeah. you might search for you know a protein <laughs> bar or something yeah these other these other stand-ins or like the quote-unquote a healthier version of something <laughs> but none of them are actually the thing that you really wanted mm. and this might be true for experiences you've had but often clients will find that when they do eventually have the food they really wanted it sometimes feels rough really rough they might eat quite a lot of that food when they finally oh, let themselves okay. have it or it might be quite quick mm. um, they might speed through it and then they might have lots of thoughts and feelings right yeah 2020 me definitely definitely re- resonates with that yeah. yeah whereas now I've like yeah trained myself okay I'm craving this let's go straight to the source mm. if we do have access to it <laughs> if we have access to it yeah. yeah yeah okay um this next question we've already covered that it's how can I control overindulgence in treats and snacky foods I feel like we've touched on that yeah yeah um next question would love some information on food as medicine example when I'm feeling tired foods that will give me more energy um or starting to get a sore throat foods that Mm. will boost immunity interesting yes um this is probably a question better answered one-on-one with this particular individual. Um, if we're thinking about, you know, food that is going to support energy, we're thinking about regular food and eating to stabilize our blood sugar levels throughout the day. Yeah. So if we are missing eating occasions or there's not enough food at them, that's going to impact our blood sugar stability throughout the day. And that can to lead to us experiencing maybe some peaks and troughs in our energy. 
you think about that example we were talking about earlier around breakfast, how curious and interesting. How do we feel when we arrive to the afternoon occasion? Mm. If we're really looking for higher energy foods, things that are maybe sweet or salty or fatty, that would make a lot of sense because the body's in its wisdom searching for energy because it actually maybe missed out on getting some earlier in the day. That would have been useful. Um, also, in terms of energy, we're thinking about what carbohydrate foods look like at meals and snacks. Are they regularly around and allowed? Um, are there a variety of them that are around and allowed? Mm. Which, is a, which is more general because for this person, if somebody is experiencing kind of um, fatigue that's, that's ongoing, we might want to be digging in a little bit deeper to is there other stuff? Food absolutely has a lot to, to offer us yeah. um, and can be such a, a joyful, pleasurable, nourishing part of being human in life. And it's not the only thing to consider. Yeah, there definitely could be other elements. What's our sleep like? What's our social connection like? Uh, what know. are your iron levels like? Yes, that could be that could be <laughs> an interesting one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are our stress levels like? Mm. Um, just some other other things to touch base and tap into that would be more more nuanced and specific to that person yeah. those would be some really general things like broader higher level overview to check in with yeah 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 well thank you so much that was a long episode but I think it was much needed and thank you so much for your wealth of knowledge and your compassion and your kindness yeah. and just um yeah, explaining everything really well. And the main takeaway I've personally gotten from this is just that it really does come down a lot to like understanding your personal needs and how your body works and how your cravings work. Um, but it does sound like having somebody to guide you along that journey um, would be extremely helpful. If people want to find you, you have a great Instagram. Oh, thank I you. I love your content. Um, where can they find you? So I am on Instagram at Wander and Nourish. And important for me, I've learned to say Wander is with an A, not an O, because of my accent. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Wander and Nourish on Instagram. I'm also on, on Facebook, um, Wander and Nourish Nutrition. Otherwise, um, you might like to check out some content on my website, on my blog at wanderandnourish.com. Perfect. Very cute branding. I've checked out your website as well. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you picking um, an episode that maybe wasn't so easy to listen to, but um, personally a really important topic. And if you do feel compelled to reach out, um, you can do that via the website. Yeah, you yeah. can reach out via the website or via Instagram or admin at wanderandnourish.com. Perfect. Do you offer like a consultation call to see if working together is a good fit? Yeah, really good question. I actually offer a free 15-minute exploration call. So it's a little telehealth video chat moment just to make some space for people to feel out um, if they want to work together. I think it's really important to find somebody that you want to work with yeah. um, and, and the ways that they might show up to try to support you too, you know, different frameworks and approaches and to ask questions people might have, you know, as they're kind of exploring and considering what next steps could be for them. So that is an offering you can book on the website uh, if and when you want to. 
Amazing. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you did enjoy this podcast, feel free to screenshot it, put it on your story and share it around as that is how we spread the good word of the podcast. Feel free to tag us. My Instagram is at andy.bentley underscore. And if you're feeling extra crazy and extra loving, please um, leave a review as that really, really does help the episode. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 